Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Zebra Talk, the podcast where we shine a little light onto the lives and the untold stories of the people who slide on their knees and count the threes. That's right, I'm talking about the referees, and today I'm joined by one of one of my favorite people in the business, honestly. He's like no! just such a joyful, wonderful, like vibrant, <laughs> amazing human being. Yeah, uh, I'm, he gonna was just, a... I'm gonna destroy these expectations you're setting here. <laughs> oh man. Uh, he was a wonderful, huge part of uh, Chikara over the 17 years that he was a part of it. Obviously now he is a huge part of All Elite Wrestling. You probably recognize him a little better with a bee suit on, but uh, <laughs> please welcome Bryce Remsburg. How are you? Uh, I'm well. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, a pleasure to talk to a fellow zebra about zebra-ing. I zebra-ing. Think. I like and, it. <laughs> and I, and I, have, uh, I have said this before and I'll say it again. I think you are the uh, the cultivator of a wonderful resource uh, for, you know, to, to think of like, you know, professional wrestling is already a niche thing. And right. then being involved in pro wrestling makes the bubble smaller and being a referee in wrestling yeah. makes it smaller. <laughs> So to make a little tiny comfortable home for this niche, niche, niche and make people feel welcome and use it to help other people and critique matches and all that good stuff. Uh, I think it's, I think it's an absolutely wonderful thing. Thank you very much. I really appreciate that. I, uh, I, I, def- I, I would not have the time and energy to be the cultivator of it, but I'm yeah. glad that someone <laughs> in this world does and that it exists for what is it over a thousand members at this point? We are. Yeah. Just, uh, just over a thousand. I think it's right around a thousand 30 if I know offhand, wow. but yeah, we're, we're, man. what is a zebra a herd? Is that what a pack of zebras is? Uh, it's actually referred to as a dazzle and we've actually, oh, uh, yeah. That's, weird, way right? more, that's way more dramatic. <laughs> I like that much better. Uh, the, the, the like dictionary term is either a dazzle or a zeal, a Z E A L. Okay. Um, so I've definitely contemplated like doing like, I don't know, Dazzle Club shirts or something like that. Oh, man. <laughs> da- da- Dazzle Club sounds like something that goes on in a church on Tuesday night, like a, a jazzercise equivalent or right? something. Right. They've like, got like sparklers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or like the, uh, the, the Schitt's Creek. Um, do you watch Schitt's Creek? Uh, I haven't, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, there's, you know, they, the the ladies of town kind of go off into some like some musical theater type business, like right. that, that. That's kind of what I think it was a dazzle. What are you guys doing on your Wednesday nights? Oh, we're going yeah. to Dazzle Club. It's that's great. Right. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay, that's, yeah. that's gonna be that's gonna be the offshoot when uh, when when the the uh, the inmates take over the Zebra Talk Asylum and make their own offshoot. It's going to be the, it's going to be the Dazzle Club. Again, right. I don't have the time and energy to leave that, but someone else. <laughs> you know, I've definitely uh, been thinking lately, you know, with like the podcast is going well, but like, you know, I kind of want to like diversify the, uh, the content that I'm creating. So it isn't mm-hmm. just like people watching like hour long, you know, uh, interviews and stuff like that. So maybe, uh, maybe the Dazzle Club shorts is, is in the works. So uh, executive producer Bryce Remsburg. <laughs> yes, please, please. I get, uh, give me that EP credit. That'd be great. Perfect. Absolutely. Yes. Um, let's dive on in. Uh, I'm sure that you know you've gone through this kind of an interview before. And honestly, I've told people about this already. About two years ago, Bryce was one of the people that That's I true. actually interviewed. Um, right. We had a there great a, time. We were, in, we were in the noisy bowels of the House of Independence in Asbury Park, New Jersey, which was, as I remember it, was the uh, two days before the premiere Dynamite episode. Mm-hmm. So it was this kind of like weird crossroads of life that 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 week. Uh, we did that House of Independence event in Asbury Park. It was the premiere of Dynamite in Washington D.C. and it was mm-hmm. the final Chikara events that I refereed on. Was the King of Trios 2019 was all that. Uh, you know what? What a week! <laughs> what yeah. a crazy week of, of life that will be looked back upon. Uh, so yeah, no, I'm I'm glad to get through it again with. Uh, less people trying to yeah <laughs> we want to have people build, like build having us relocate or, every five yeah, minutes <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. whatever they were doing uh it was asbury, funny, Park, asbury were... park's a great town i that's the last time i was there too i'd love to i'd love to have an excuse to go back as well yeah absolutely i know i know, I know janella wants to run aw to run the boardwalk call in asbury park new jersey which was a uh ecw pay-per-view home back in the late 90s that'd be super home. sweet yeah absolutely that'd be super sweet yeah, that was such a great like send off show. There were so many good feelings and there were so many people that were like just so excited. And I did actually get to end up going, uh, did actually get to end up going to the um, AEW Dynamite, like the first yeah. taping and everything. And like, man, like you were saying, just a crazy week. And you had mentioned in the original uh, recording that we did that like the House of Independence was kind of like this almost like... Um, this like beacon for you getting really big, exciting news, you know, like you had said, like you had gotten the call oh, yeah. to play about AEW, you know, like as you were heading to it previously. And yeah. <laughs> I recorded a bit for being the elite before yeah. the first double or nothing in the showers at the house. of the <laughs> Park, 
I was giving the rules. <laughs> I was giving the rules of the first casino battle royale. Matt Jackson asked me to do it, and I was very excited and nervous to do it. And I, the quietest room I could find, a, a recurring theme of uh, yeah. quiet rooms, the House of Independence. Right. What <laughs> uh, was the shower? And a uh, wonderful photographer by the name of Earl Gardner uh, filmed it with me, filmed it for me with my phone. And I remember walking up the boardwalk in Asbury Park and dropboxing it to Matt and Nick, and then say, "Oh, this looks great, super." Yeah, One thing I, I, have, list, yeah. I have such vivid memories of like doing that interview of us like we ended up going into like a back alley behind mm-hmm. the building and then mm-hmm. like there were people banging around there and then we went outside and then there were people trying to sweep out there and then there were people just walking I, by and yelling I've timed, like, oh, I've timed all the distractions I've timed all the distractions in my house here for about 20 or 30 minutes and <laughs> someone come over and clean a cleaning lady's gonna come through uh, the awesome. mailman it's, it's 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 gonna happen I'm on the third floor. I think we're pretty safe here, actually. I'm in my, I, I used to have an office and then our baby was born last year. And my office is, the, my office and the guest room are now one on the third floor, but we're in a, in a gotcha. quiet office. I think we'll Perfect. be okay. Well, let's go ahead and dive in. Let's hear a little bit about who you are, where you're from and your origins in professional wrestling. I'm sure you've told this story a number of no. times, but like, uh, let's hear a little like brief, just like speed sure. through how we got into professional wrestling. Uh, I oh wrestling I thought you were talking like how I was conceived I think oh yes yes that's exactly (laughs) what I want to hear about uh what are your parents names and what are their (laughs) Mike and Linda Remsburg have been married for a couple years it's the spring of 1982 uh no I fell into wrestling at about seven or eight years old because I, uh, it's crazy because everyone's, you know, there's a lot of talk and focus on the ultimate warrior this week because they're doing these documentaries and the ultimate warrior was the first wrestling memory I had. I was at my neighbor's house and I'm pretty sure it was a Saturday night's main event, but like, I remember seeing the ultimate warrior run to the ring Mm -hmm. in tassels and neon face paint and like, as any seven or eight year old would be like, what is this? This is so cool. Right, right, right. And that was the hook. And then it became, you know, every time uh, WWF would come to Hershey, Pennsylvania, I would go the the first live event I ever went to in 1991, the main event was Hulk Hogan versus Ric Flair, which is kind of, you know, all downhill from there, I guess. I don't know. Very first show I ever went to when I was eight. And I, you know, every magazine, uh, every time, every program, just like wrap every, I couldn't get enough. I, I could not consume enough. Um, the only uh, glitch in my fandom, I guess, was that we couldn't either afford or didn't want to pay for the pay-per-views. So okay. my dad's work friend had one of those like uh, scramble boxes. Nice. <laughs> and, and he would tape them for me. So FBI, stuck, if you're listening, uh, stop right, listening. <laughs> <laughs> they got enough of my money otherwise. I do not yeah. know. Uh, so like, you know, he would tape on Sunday night and then Monday at Monday at school, I'd have to remain spoiler free what the equivalent of the early nineties equivalent of spoiler free was. And then after work, my dad would go get the tape and bring it home. Mm -hmm. And then Monday after school, I would watch the pay-per-view on a one day delay. So now when you can watch like every Royal rumble and SummerSlam ever on your phone. Yeah. Right. (laughs) And then in high school, I remember like putting $5 in the pot to get like, you know, this is like the editor they're running every single month. Yeah. So it'd be like, can you hear Going those dings? Going over the boys' house or something. Can, can you hear those dings that are happening? So we're talking about, we're talking about throwing in $5 into the pot. Please continue. Yes, yes. There was a pay-per-view every month and, you know, I had a group of like eight or 10 friends. So over the edge, spring stampede. And then we started yeah. getting the, the ECW ones. And it was basically like two or three Sundays a month we were eating pizza and taking turns hosting each other's houses and watching pay-per-views it's so, such an amazing yeah. time like back in the 90s early 2000s you know There's like so such much. a camaraderie that like is kind of lost a little bit now now that it's so easily accessible to everybody like you were saying yes yes and it's crazy to think how like i didn't realize because i was growing up with it and i was literally you know around 14 at the time but yeah. wrestling became very tv 14 so now when i you know watch it with my son we watch a lot of you know current product sure and like and like, or like night, review it before you let them watch it <laughs> there, there's there's like a solid group of like i'd say like 96 to 2002 or three like we have never, right, right 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 yeah. <laughs> so yeah. a lot of, a lot of older stuff you know a lot of like uh uh and now he watches a aw here or there sure. and he is five and knows the term enhancement talent which i don't really know okay. where to pick that up. I, must, I must have said it off <laughs> i don't know but anyway uh so that's how I got involved. And I've always been a, you know, 
five foot five asthmatic wimp. So, so just like born and bred to be a like thoroughbred wrestler, and, obviously. And a, an athletic supporter was yeah. my <laughs> role. I was, you know, had to had to play the league mandated two innings in little league where I'd stand in right field and pray a ball wouldn't be throw would be hit to me so I wouldn't drop and embarrass my dad. You know, like I, I have very vivid memories of that. So I would love to be involved with wrestling, but I'm gentle and I'm fragile and I don't want to wrestle. And refereeing was perfect. The, uh, you get to go to all the shows. You get to, you know, be a part of the show. You yeah. get to perfor- perform in one way or another, which is an itch that I had to scratch. Uh, and, you know, not have to pay for tickets, basically. Yeah. And I mean, that was I, my biggest, like, yeah, yeah. Sure. I'm going to want to go to all of these shows anyway once I discovered the independence. So, like, I might as well try and do something to get involved so I don't right. have to pay to get in, brother. <laughs> right. When, 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 I, when I started, it was even like, you know, I didn't, you know, you don't get paid the first year or two or whatever. But I was yeah. like, I, I'm not paying for tickets so i'm winning you know like yeah. I'm, making, <laughs> I'm not losing money i mean maybe i am but yeah i totally was losing money yeah. <laughs> i was driving an hour to practice twice right like, of course i was losing money but i was like trying to justify it in my head absolutely uh, and then in you know college when i got i got going and i got hooked up with uh chris hero was a, a big one because he was in demand in those days like 2003 2004 um it would kind of be like well i'll drive and i would drive him to pittsburgh or cleveland or chicago or indianapolis or cincinnati or wherever we were going everywhere and yeah i would go once just to go along and he'd be like hey this is my student he has his gear and i would get to you know tag along the first time and then maybe the second time i'd referee one match and not get any money and then the next time it would be hey hero's coming could, could you bring that referee along with you and i just kind of yeah. like willed myself into getting booked uh and it's amazing how not... many times you hear people like having that same kind of theme of like oh hey you didn't suck okay keep coming right. back yeah exactly exactly <laughs> you were good enough for today like yeah <laughs> come back and be good enough for today next month Great. Yep. uh and, you know, that, you know, I, I will, I'll change the oil in my car. I'll print off the map quest directions. I'll, these are all antiquated terms that we're using right now, but that's, <laughs> that's what it was in 03, 04, 05. Right. And I was also, you know, getting my bachelor's degree at Temple University in Philadelphia at the time. So I was not maybe entirely for right with my parents where I was sometimes. Sure. Uh, <laughs> and I remember a very um, a vivid memory of my dad getting a cell phone bill and showing I was in Indiana on a Thursday. Yeah. <laughs> Which was true. Like, I wasn't in Indiana on a Thursday. Indiana right, right. Thursday. <laughs> I, was, I was not at the classes at Temple he was helping to pay for. Yeah. So, <laughs> it's kind of like I, that Mick Foley-esque story of like, you know, he was supposed to be going off to college, but he ends up going to like the snooker, diving off the cage. Right. Like exactly. it got him yeah. into wrestling. Yeah. Yep. So, and, and then there was a, it was December because it was finals week. And I was supposed to, you know, Ian Rotten, I was a very impressionable 20-year-old said, you know, Terry Funk's coming to town, kid, and I want you to be the referee for Terry Funk. Like, well, you know, I have to be that. Blew there's no, yeah, there's no there's no option. I have to drive 12 sure. hours to the night to be the referee for Terry Funk. So the show was on a Sunday night. I had a final in Philadelphia, in Chicago. I had a final in Philadelphia Monday morning. And I drive through the night to make the final. And there was a snowstorm and make it. And I, and I, I had one friend in my college class that was a wrestling fan and knew what I did. And he, yeah. I don't know what he did. He made up some story and I got to retake the final later. It was awesome. What so a I good got to, friend. I got to, I got to oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> He's a, he was a, he was a, yeah, he was actually an indie wrestler for a while and is a radio personality and like around Philly still. So I will never forget to do that for me. Very cool. um, uh, and then I remember graduating from college of 22, 2005, you know, Chikara starting to pick up a little bit. I'm working for CCW now. I'm traveling back and forth to Chicago once a week or once a month. And uh, ending college, all that meant was I could just do more wrestling. I didn't yeah, care I mean, about getting cool. a job. I have a degree, but like now right. I'm just exactly. like free to now, do what I want right. to do. I don't now have to I'm, worry about I'm, my parents. Yeah. I'm <laughs> unencumbered by yeah. having to be back <laughs> on Monday. So I just dove in more. And, you know, 20 bucks here, 30 bucks there, you know, like there might've been a weekend here or there where I didn't lose money because yeah. Hero was advocating for getting us gas and hotels and stuff like that. And it was sure. sleeping on the floor and sleeping in the car and all that good stuff. But like, it was, I was turning a corner where I wasn't, uh, you know, I would come out at zero or a very small plus. Right. It's definitely and, and like, like that shifting point. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this could be a thing. Uh, and it turns out it wasn't. I had to get a job in like nine yeah. months. But, but <laughs> I had a pretty fun nine months there for a while. I was all over. I think I did in a, 
Oh, four, oh, five, and oh, six. I think I did a hundred shows each a year. Like I was That's doing insane. two, That's so three, good. <laughs> some, some, sometimes four a weekend, just like hustle, 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 little yeah. shows, big shows, like whatever, just, just stringing them together, like using the internet to realize like, oh, we're, we're driving home from Detroit on a Friday and they're running in Cleveland on Saturday. Like emailing Might as well hit that one and that one yes. and that one and that one yes. and that one. Yeah, Just absolutely. connecting the dots, filling cars with, you know, um, the, the beauty of the Chicago Russell factory was I had, dozens of guys you know yeah, first endless were contacts that can fill the spread. car yeah absolutely right there was always someone who wanted to come it might have been the very first new guy at, or or a guy that had been going for three years but we kind of settled into the car load of it was usually the the real road dog fiveson was was hero mm-hmm. claudio castanelli who's now cesaro mm-hmm. eddie kingston is now an AEW with me right. and the late great larry sweeney the five oh, of us were like we were we were the crew like we were iowa minnesota florida um like that's when it started to like rack up the states, rack up the miles. Like we did like, I don't know, we figured it out once there was one month we did like eight or 9,000 miles or something sure. together. Yeah. And uh, um, that seems high. I don't know, whatever it is. I it's, mean, that sounds pretty believable, honestly, like yeah. in a month, like getting through all those states, like yeah. four different Phil- states in a weekend. Philadelphia, like, yeah. to, Philadelphia to Minneapolis is 18 hours, probably like 12 or 1300 miles. That's the longest drive to Minneapolis. I drove to Florida a bunch of times too. Yeah. And that, among many other things that I appreciate AEW. Uh, a time that I felt like I made an AEW was the second week of Dynamite was in Boston. Okay. And the drive from Philly to Boston is like five or six hours. It's an yeah. unpleasant, awful drive. There's yeah. always traffic. You have to Just go long enough to be a pain. Yeah. Yes. You have to go through or around New York City, which is always a hassle. Right. And on the second week of Dynamite, not only did I do my first main event in AEW, I, I refereed the main event of the second ever Dynamite, which I'll never forget. Mm-hmm. Uh, I flew to Boston. From yeah. <laughs> and that, yeah. That sounds like a small thing, but it's no, not. No, it doesn't. Like, I had Someone a... paid for me to fly yeah. to Boston. I, uh, and, I was doing WOW Ring Crew, Women of Wrestling, and like they paid for me to come from uh, San Francisco to Los Angeles once, which is like an hour flight. And like the same thing, like five, six hours of a drive. But yeah, the minute that I got off of that flight, I'd done that drive so many times that I was just like, this is it. I've made it. Right. I to fly to LA like oh right. my god you know somebody then, paid and, for and my then, ticket and then, and then you got home you're like I'm never gonna drive that again like, <laughs> except for the 27 times <laughs> I did it after that <laughs> so many years of the the very first AW event at double or nothing 2019 in Las Vegas I, I have another very vivid memory of walking up to the check-in counter of the hotel the MGM Grand and I said my name and they said oh you know you'll be in this room and I was like oh who who am I sharing a room with and they're nobody. like nobody this is your uh... room and I was just like, oh, that's so nice. What? Yeah. <laughs> I have my own room. <laughs> There's not six people in there right. and I'm not sleeping right. on the floor. <laughs> and, and, and in, in, in full transparency, the last night, uh, Orange Cassidy got added as a surprise to the Battle Royal at the, the last minute. Right. And he was not, they didn't have a room for him because it was last minute. And he yeah. asked if he could sleep, he could sleep on the couch in my room. And I did let him sleep in the couch in my space because he's a long-term friend of mine. Sure, and yeah. now he's one of the biggest stars in the world. But like, I, you know, let him have part of my room. It had a whirlpool. It was amazing. And I have since also decided, you know, never say never, but I don't see a, a world where I, um, you know, I will only share hotels with my family from now on. Like sure, uh, yeah. <laughs> last year, I, I drove to Ohio for one of my high school friends' mom's funeral. Unfortunately, one of my high school, we rode together. We shared a hotel room and mm-hmm. it was like, I was just like, oh no, I can't. I, I need I, my I space now. I, I'm I, too I used to this. I can't, yeah. go back. I can't go back. I'm not trying to sound spoiled or entitled, but I'm very, 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 very fortunate. But no, I mean, I you put realized... 17, 18 years in on the indies of like sleeping on the floor and like, you know, <laughs> like I'm sure sitting like this on the car right. rides for like, you know, yes. like you said, 18 hours, like you've, You've put in some miles. You've paid your dues price. You're allowed to have a, a hotel to yourself at this point. <laughs> I'm very fortunate. I, I have realized that I like that. That makes me appreciate what I have so much more. And I don't yeah. know, you know, I have a lot of coworkers that are doing this a lot less time. And, and that's okay. And they're very talented. I have no resentment against them. But I realize mm-hmm. how how much how the, the perspective that I am able to have because of, you know, and, and being there with Chuck Taylor and Orange Cassidy and Eddie Kingston are guys that I have known for 15, almost 20 years in yeah. some cases. Like there's an unspoken thing there that we understand yeah. that, um, you know. What we, you guys have done together. Yeah. Sure, sure. And we, we've we slept in some real flea bag gross hotels and slept in our cars overnight, slept on the floor of airports and everything. And we did earn this and it does yeah. make us feel like we appreciate it all the more. Absolutely. I totally agree. Like, uh, I think I'm getting to the point where I'm nowhere near like at that level, but I think I've been in at the point where 
I have enough longevity now to kind of appreciate how much longer some other people have been involved. You know what I mean? Because like mm -hmm. I'm coming up on a 10 year. So now that I can apply like, okay, this is how much like I've gone through at this point. Imagine doubling that. Yeah. And then like, that's your life experience. Like that's insane. If, like if, if I'm being totally honest, like I don't know how much longer I would have done it for. Sure. Uh, yeah. Like, uh, you know, Chikara's peak was 2011, 12, 13, mm -hmm. when it was at its most popular. And I remember being really, you know, engaged with that and almost cutting off all my other bookings because I was so entrenched in working in the quote unquote office of Chikara, which there really wasn't one, but I did a lot of help, sure. like stuff behind the scenes. Yeah, you are the and office. <laughs> I was the, 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 the second in command by Diva. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, um, then my first son was born in 2016. And that was kind of like, I really cut back. I would do Chikara shows or something that was local or a favor for a friend. And I, you know, made a cognizant decision to be much more, um, choosy about the bookings I took. And I remember my son being two months old and me being in, in England for Chikara, which was awesome. Yeah. It was a great experience, but, but also like, he's two months not, old and you're in England. Right, yeah. Right. And I'm like, can't get the FaceTime to work. And I'm trying to talk to my wife and da, 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 and, and it just, it's not working out. And she's like at her parents' house with the baby. And I'm like, this is not, this is right. Right. This is not sustainable. Yeah. Uh, so he, he got a little older, it got a little easier. And, you know, luckily our, our, uh, our second son was conceived after I'd already started with AEW, but if it sure. weren't for AEW and this becoming my job, my yeah. full-time paying job, like now it's worth it. Now I can yeah. say, I go away from home two days a week, but like it's paying. I can pay for a house from it now. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Like we, like we are in financial shape that if something goes terribly wrong, like we're not going to be sleeping on the street. Like we're, we're not rich, but we're doing, we're okay. We're doing okay. Sure. Um, I'm, you know, now make more than I made when I left my last desk job, which mm -hmm. I was, a I was a pharmaceutical advertising, uh, basically, a, like a, a, a regulatory review guy. Yeah. I would like okay. proofread stuff before drugs, like ads would go out with the world. Gotcha. And it was a well, you know, well-paying pharmaceutical money. I had like my boss, I had a good job. I liked to write work with, but like, I get, I make more money doing living my dream, which is crazy. Uh, so if it weren't for AEW, I don't know how much longer I would have pursued. I would have been, you know, moonlighting on the weekends and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And you hear that like really consistently throughout uh, a lot of the people who've, you know, done the road dog experience. Like sure. a lot of people you hear that like finally got signed. It was almost at the moment that they were just kind of like, maybe it's time. Maybe it's yeah. time to be done. And then, you know, yeah. like a month later, they get the call that it's like, what, what? And now, now that I'm done. Okay. I guess you beat me into submission. <laughs> right. No, I was, I got offered my first contract at 36 years old at 17 years into wrestling. Like, yeah. yeah. Walk us through that a little bit. Uh, tell us about like what that call was like, what the experience was like, you know, obviously if there's no, uh, if there's sensitive no. information, please no, it's okay. that, but it's like, okay. yeah, I, I had a, I had a good relationship with the young bucks for a long mm -hmm. time. I had, uh, I don't know that I'd ever met Cody Rhodes or Kenny Omega sure. before this. I definitely not met Tony or Chris Harrington. Right. Um, I, when the Young Bucks were starting out in like 2009, 10, the first indie to fly them across mm -hmm. the country was Chikara. And when they would fly across Chikara, go across the country for Chikara, I would be the one that pick them up at the airport. I'd be the right. one that would take them to Wawa and get hoagies. I would take them to the hotel. I'd make sure they were looked after. Yeah. And I would ref their matches. And they were Chikara tag team champions for a while. They actually, uh, won the belts from Chuck Taylor and Johnny Gargano in Philadelphia, Chicago, which is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, uh, and that was 2012 or 13 or something. Um, 12, I think. So, you know, they went off into their thing. I went off into their thing. You know, there would be an occasional Twitter DM or a text or a happy birthday or whatever, but we, we weren't close, but we yeah. were, you know, well thought of acquaintances. I always thought well of them. I think I like that they always thought well of me. Sure. Uh, and when when all in came around, I was like, I'm going to shoot my shot. You know, I'm going to I'm going to reach out. See what happens, like, right? Not? Right. <laughs> and they answered right away. Totally mm -hmm. respectful. They said, you know, uh, this is going to be a Ring of Honor co-op production. I think we're going to use the Ring of Honor referees, uh, but just sit tight. I said, okay. Yeah. I didn't know what that meant, and they did, and I did. Yeah. Um, and then double or nothing. Or AEW came around. Was on. Was you know. And I said, I just want to check back in. And they just said. Uh, we can't tell you what's going on yet, but save the date of May 25th. And I remember the date forever. A, it's tomorrow. Tomorrow's to university, May 25th. Yeah. Uh, May 25th was also the very first Chikara event. May 25th, 2002 was the first time I ever was on a show. I was the ring announcer because I was still trading to be a referee. I wasn't allowed mm -hmm. to referee yet. That's a uh, big so day for you. Yeah, May 25th. So May 25th, 2002 was the first Chikara show. May 25th, 2019 was the first AEW show. And they just mm -hmm. said, save the date, hold tight. And the next week they announced AEW. Mm -hmm. And then... I was, you know, 
booked for uh, Double or Nothing and All Out in Chicago. And then I later got added to the two summer shows that were in Daytona Beach and Jacksonville. Um, they worked around my indie schedule, flew me at weird times so I could make the shows like totally welcoming and amazing. And in July of 2019, I had a conversation with Chris Harrington, who's the senior vice president of AEW. Basically, he's my direct report on the office end of things. Uh, and he's a very brilliant, amazing, another guy that, you know, he didn't, um, if, you, if, if he had like a, a vision board and just like me, and it was like, what's your dream job? And like, you couldn't point to this because it didn't exist yet. But now that you're in it, you can look back and be like, this was my dream job. I have my dream job. They Chris, like created the dream job for you. Yeah. <laughs> Chris is the same way. He was uh, selling, you know, you know, grocery store equipment or whatever, but his love was pro wrestling and specifically the business of pro wrestling. Yeah. And he became Twitter DM friends with Tony Khan and became the senior vice president of AEW. He was one of the first people to know about AEW before it even existed. Like he was maybe the first person, not Tony, to be paid by AEW. Like when sure. it was just the, the, the you know, embryo of an yeah. idea. Right, right, right. Before it had a name, before it was a thing, he knew about the concept of it. Sure. So I remember being in catering in Jacksonville which is a place now I've been 50 times. But I didn't know that it, this, uh, on this day, it was my first Who time. Who could have predicted? Yeah. Right, right, right. It was July of 2019. And he sort of pulled me aside and asked me about, you know, what kind of, what kind of administration stuff did you do for Chikara? Mm -hmm. And I was like, it was just like, you know, what they would call it always sunny. They would call it Charlie work. Yeah. Uh, booking, booking hotels, uh, booking flights, arranging shuttles, sometimes dealing with the state athletic commission. Mm -hmm. Um, Make sure everybody's music is there on time. Just like little, like All the minding, admin work. Yeah, minding absolutely. the corners, admin work. And the travel was what set his, his like sensors off. Right. And he said, okay, okay. And then th at this point, I'm still freelancing. I don't have a contract. Right. And then two weeks later after that, July 25th, 2019, I remember sitting in my, what is now my son's room, which is my old office downstairs and getting the email. And he said, they were offering me two contracts. Uh, one as a performer, as a referee. Mm -hmm and one as a business coordinator, which is kind of a catch-all for what I do in the office. It is predominantly travel, right. um, but a lot of that is working with hotels and um, airlines and state athletic commissions sometimes and kind of, you know, Making it's sure amazing. the boys can go, just show up to an airport and a hotel and not have yes. to think about anything, basically. Yes, yeah. yes. And, and I don't know if, if you know this or some of the listeners know this, but uh, WWE does not get hotel rooms for their talent. Mm. Uh, that is part of their independent independent contractor status. They have to book them themselves. Sure. Uh, we, we book them for them. Gotcha. We also arranged, when the pandemic happened, we started to arrange to have food brought to the hotel. So when they came back from these late night tapings, nice. there'd be food waiting for them at the hotel so they don't have to, A, break the bubble, B, mm -hmm. go find food at two in the morning, Right. Uh, we pay for and arrange shuttles from the airport to the to the hotel and to the venues. So they have to worry about Ubers or Lyfts. And some of this was born out of making it convenient for them. Some of it was born up on a, for us knowing they'll show up to work on time. Yeah. And it really intensified during the pandemic when you didn't, you know, when when we didn't know if they went to a restaurant, they would like get sick and kill everyone. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. So uh, a, a bubble is only as secure as it is when it starts. So we'll test on the first day of the tapings week, mm -hmm. but we don't test every single day because that's just not cost effective. So there, there is some honor system involved, obviously. Yeah. But once you get to Jacksonville and it's up to you to stay in that bubble and we do everything we can to make sure everybody does stay in that bubble and protect the integrity of the bubble and the health of themselves and their coworkers bubble, et cetera, et cetera. Um, things have changed a lot as vaccines became prevalent. We are right. really, really, really turning a corner. Like the last two months, especially, you can feel the tide shifting. Yeah. Um, we're going back to full capacity this weekend at Daly's Place. We're going back on the road in July and it doesn't feel, <laughs> it doesn't feel uh, insane or crazy like it might have six months ago. It's like, oh, this is a big thing, but I, I see how this is possible now. You know? Yeah. This is a big thing, but like it kind of makes sense because, you know, right. we're already kind of inching our way there right. anyway. 61% of American adults are vaccinated now. The ones who aren't are making their choice and that's okay. But as far as our, you know, grouping, like it feels so, so, so much more safer than it did even two or three months ago. Yeah. Anyhow, absolutely. I, di I digress. <laughs> uh, my, uh, you'd be amazed how many things pass through the purview of the travel department. 
that, you know, just like coordinating. Yeah, I was with just that. kind of thinking about it as you were talking about everything that you organize for people. Like you have, you must have so many and like, uh, like a litany of details about like all of the people that you work with that you this know that like no one to, else will ever know. This person likes to fly Delta. This person likes yeah. early morning flights. Like, like yeah. at first that was a lot to onboard because I was stepping into this. And then I kind of took on more responsibility within the department. Uh, and Paul Turner, another member of the Dazzle, is also works in the department with me. Right. Uh, uh, and the, the idea was, and Aubrey does video game and development stuff. So the idea is like, well, we have these talented people already in our um, umbrella. Right. What else? What else can they do to make you know make this more worth their time? So yeah. like, I referee maybe I don't know the total of me being in the ring is an hour, an hour and a half a week. Yeah. Tops. So why just have you doing that when you could have, yeah, everything else that you're qualified to do. And the time I spend on my office job, my travel coordinator job is, you know, 30, 35, 40 hours a week. And it's, you know, emails overnight, texts, you know, wrestlers keep wrestler hours. Yeah. I, I grew up <laughs> in the world of eight to five, nine sure. to five, you know, and we're dealing with time zones. You've got uh -huh. people, in, you've got people in, in England, you've got people in Mexico and Canada. So in, in some ways, the pandemic simplified my job because sure. instead of finding it's hotels in, in yeah. different <laughs> cities, we're always in Jacksonville, but it also complicated my job because now we're dealing with, well, you have to get a COVID test 72 hours before you fly, you know, et cetera, et cetera. You sure. didn't pass this, so you can't do this, or I didn't sure. mail you a saliva test. A lot of coordinating. And uh, I don't do all of that, but it, a lot of it comes through my email, I guess. And I, 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 I've learned a lot. So... Um, there's, there's mixed feelings about going back on the road because it's definitely going to increase my workload and that's mm -hmm. okay, but it's also very exciting and it'll be fun to go back and see people. I did an indie this weekend for the first time in 17 months. So where did we work? It was an outside drive-in uh, at a drive-in movie theater. It's called Real Rumble. They do an hour and a half of pro wrestling before they show wrestling movies in the drive-in. So oh, so cool. There, they did a Beyond the Mat and Mr. Nanny. They showed yeah, absolutely. That sounds great. Speaking about niche of niche, man, if you're a wrestling yeah. fan and or, 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 you just kind of wandered in, beyond that is depressing AF. Oh, um, yeah, it is. Uh, I never understood. Like, I would listen to Art of Wrestling, uh, like, before I got involved. And, like, I mm -hmm. knew Beyond the Mat really well. Um, but, like, Colt and all of his guests would always just kind of, like, make jokes about how, like, Beyond the Mat was, like, one of their favorite movies. And they would watch it and quote it and make jokes about it. And every time I'd watch it, I'm just like, this movie's, like, bringing me to tears. Why do you guys like it so much? Like... It's tragic. <laughs> yep. Yep. And then, you know, yeah. the wrestler is like basically just like Jake the Snake's story from Beyond the Mat put onto like an actual like feature length film. Like, yeah, yes. it's wild. So I uh, I did bring my oldest son and we left before the movie started. <laughs> <laughs> Probably <laughs> was, for the best. They don't show the movie till like nine o'clock, but it's very, very charming. It's, you know, they had like 500 people outside, people in like lawn chairs. Uh, right, the ring is right in front of the big screen. Uh, Orange Cassidy came to the meet and greet because he's, you know, this is his old crew. Sure. You see a lot of the old Chikara guys and girls. It was nice. a really, 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 really great experience. And like, vaccinations changing everything for, yeah. for me personally and in the wrestling as a whole. Like, I, 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 I you can feel like, I, I think the ball's going to start rolling downhill here a lot this summer. Hopefully. Yeah, absolutely. Um, With everybody, it sounds like. Um, yes. Let's backtrack just a little bit and let's just pretend for a moment that like COVID hadn't happened or hasn't mm -hmm. happened. Like, what would you say are the like biggest differences? Obviously you're on television and everything, but like, what are the biggest differences between like the 17 years and now? Like, obviously you're doing this sure. office job. Like what, as your experience as a referee, talk me through that. Uh, so, I mean, to, to start off, like you're, you're just playing at a higher level. Like your mistakes or your actions just have greater consequence. Right. Um, you know, the way you choose to referee, which is the way you've refereed for 17 years, which is the way that you, you know, you've never changed the way you do this and you mm -hmm. got hired for it. And uh, no one has told you it's bad and to stop. And some people even told you they like the way you referee. And sure. every Wednesday you open your Twitter feed and there are more than one right, right person. Some saying nice things, but a lot saying like, like tagging me to say, mean things about sure me. like that never happened before yeah uh and not to say i've gotten used to it i know aubrey deals with this a lot as well because we've talked about it mm -hmm. uh just like what an odd use of your energy and time yeah absolutely you know like like watch the show or don't enjoy some people are just so don't. hateful it's like just yeah. leave it alone just and, if you and, don't want to watch I, it turn it off and I know that I am like way down here in the list of like, you talk about, you know, you get into like Cody and Kenny and Bucks. Twitter territory. hate, yeah. Yes, yes. They're dealing with on a, on a 
amplified times a thousand, but it's just like, man, like what an odd use of resources. Uh, so that's one. And I've said this before, I, you've probably heard me say this, you know, I, those seven years I was getting my bachelor degree, not the actual one I have from Temple that I don't use, mm-hmm. uh, the one well, I kind of used, I guess. Okay. The, <laughs> the, the, uh, those 17 years in the Indies were my bachelor degree. Now I'm getting my master's degree and okay, I don't have yeah. it. I don't have it yet, but I learn something every week I'm at TV. I learn the way, you know, it's, it, it's still a little different without crowds, but like watching the way things are put together, trying to learn a lot about the way shows of the, the way the show is formatted, when we take commercial breaks, why we take commercial breaks. Um, a big learning curve is obviously, you know, once in a while you'd have to wear an earpiece on the Indies and you'd get, right. you know, uh, a minute to go or wrap it up or a, a, an offhand. But, but now you're hearing uh, the director can talk to you. Uh, they can tune in so the commentators can talk to you. The ring sure. announcer can talk to you. The gorilla position can talk to you, which is the coach and Tony who yeah. times the show himself personally every week. He sits right at gorilla sure. position and times the show to the second. Yeah. Uh, and instead of it just being like, hey, one minute to go, it will be what is essentially a paragraph of dialogue for you to. That you have to, yeah. <laughs> to, you have to listen to it, comprehend it, and then decide what you're going to do with this information. While you're and, reffing on live television. <laughs> yes, yes. And there have been a couple of 9.58.45 or, you know, dynamite goes off the air at 10 o'clock no matter what. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, there've been a couple of times where it's gotten a little hectic there towards the end. And, you know, mm-hmm. and I have been given the weight of the world to rush a match to finish in the next 30 seconds. And sure, I can't yeah. put myself in their bodies and make them do it. You can't just grab is, Phoenix right, and be like, all right, right pin him right, right now. <laughs> but it is up to me to make sure that it happens. And it is equally among the most, uh, stressful, but also rewarding things I've ever been a part of. Like, it's sure. just this, everything is just ramped up and then it's cool. Yeah. And I, and, and I, I can remember leaving Indies and driving home and being half asleep a half hour into the drive. But like mm-hmm. that feeling, especially when there were crowds. Yeah. Um, I can't go to sleep for two hours after dynamite. Ends. Sure, whether, yeah. I'm, whether I'm in the ring for the main event or not, it doesn't matter. There's just a feeling of like, we're doing this thing. Yeah. You know? like, <laughs> Definitely. And, and we are, we're all doing it together. And there are, you know, 300 people that make it happen production included and i am just one of those 300 but i it it does feel like you know i, I do feel like i'm part of the team i feel like i'm welcome and accepted you know i we started going to production meetings both the night before and the day of the show um mm-hmm. we've we've offered some ideas that i mean the referee squad as a whole i'm talking about paul aubrey knox and i sure. have offered ideas that have been listened to from tony which at the is very amazing top yeah and have been implemented into like you know making sure we're not crossing this we're not doing this same thing twice in a show or hey we did this last week let's try this week well here's a note for commentators you could talk about oh and like we have been given agency to walk right up to jim ross mm-hmm. and say hey here's a little thing about the match that we're trying to a story we're trying to tell us and we're trying to make sense and they go okay great and the notice taken How amazing and, that like compared to like, what watch, wrestling has been yeah <laughs> you go back and watch dynamite and there's jim ross verbalizing the note that we gave him that adds something to the match like it really is a collaborative thing and you hear i've never worked for wwe i cannot speak to it from direct contact but i have her stories like 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 I don't feel out of line to text Tony about something on a Saturday night. Like I, that, that is a relationship that I feel like I have with him. Yeah. And I think Aubrey would say the same thing. Like Mm -hmm. that's the kind of boss he is, but think of, you know, like a, a, I don't know who's a junior referee at WWE, just whatever, make a name up texting Vince McMahon about something on the weekend. Like, from what I understand, it's, it's about like their a fallacy to even like imagine. Yeah. That's unheard of. That's <laughs> yeah, crazy. Yeah. Tim. <laughs> and that's just the working environment that Tony has created, sure. uh, and with with a lot of help from a lot of people, from Chris Harrington and Cody and Kenny and Matt and Nick and everyone on down to the camera guys. Like, mm-hmm. this is a relationship that we cultivate. Um, uh, so that is way, way, way different. There's just it's just, you know more pressure even even doing a tape show or the youtube show like the uh, i could take a match that i was refereeing mm-hmm. and the number of people that were going to see it whatever that number was the the least seen ever AEW match has sure. probably been seen more than the most seen independent match i've ever done yeah absolutely like by an astronomical Just, amount yeah. right right so even a match that's on a tape show and maybe it's late at night and we're trying to get through it like no 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 like i oh, heard, we have to do like, this I, just as well yeah right. <laughs> 
I worked for this. I've earned this job. I yeah. know that I have a job that other people would love to have. And I'm right. very, very fortunate to have it. And I'm going to do my best. I'm going to give it 100%. So even when something, the smallest thing goes wrong, I'm one of those, like, I feel like I've let everyone down. And that's part me and, and whatever. But yeah, it's just, and there wasn't, you know, there's a value in a performance center in an mm-hmm. NXT getting sent to like the intermediate school before you go get your master's. Like, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I really like the comparison that you're making uh, a couple of times now between like, you know, having it being your master's and your bachelor's and everything. It was something that uh, my mom actually made a comment uh, about with like myself when I uh, had the opportunity to do like the evolve thing and stuff like that. Oh, it's like, you know, you've done seven years on the like independence now it's almost like you kind of did your internship or like you did your doctorate and now like you yeah. have your like, you know, your degree and now you can actually go and do your job. And I'm like, yeah, that's a really nice way of right. putting that. Thanks, mom. <laughs> right. And, and, and Paul did it for years at Ring of mm-hmm. Honor with TV stuff. Knox did the Lutra Underground stuff and the Wrestling Society X stuff. And yeah. I did a little bit here and there with Ring of Honor, a little bit with um, Wrestlelicious. Humble <laughs> uh, but like you know like earpiece time but none of that none of that was live now that sure. was live national television so right. none of the four of us had done that and on the first day it's like here's your earpieces go to the room fun yeah I, yeah. I actually was kind of curious about something because I actually, uh, I've done like a ton of TV, but I've never had the opportunity to do live actual television. I've done mm-hmm. like, you know, iPay-per-views and stuff like that. But like, uh, what is a more stressful moment for you when you're at 9.59 and 30 and you need to go home right this second, you can't see the end in sight, or you're coming down for what shouldn't be the three and nobody's kicking out yet what's the more stressful uh, the, the second one is more stressful yeah uh, because, because, because that, that one's on me yeah like, yeah 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 i was in a, in a very early dynamite i was mm-hmm. part of a miscommunication oh okay uh, that, i and, wasn't bringing anything up specifically no, it's okay just I'm, a ref I, I, yeah. I'm telling you i it happened to me, it happened to me on live television okay and tell me I, about it i uh you know I, I, it was a miscommunication. A finish was changed. Mm-hmm. I did not react in the moment. It was sure. my fault. I first apologized to the talent. I mm-hmm. apologized to all four EVPs and Tony. And then I sure. apologized to Paul, Aubrey, and Knox because I felt like I let them down. I mm-hmm. let our squad down, which sure. is, was, a, was a new squad at the time. Yeah. And it, was, and it was a lot of like, you know, it happens. Use it as a learning tool to make sure it doesn't happen again. And yeah. it hasn't happened again. I've, you know, added layers of security into right. the way I talk to the talent and the way I do my matches to make sure it never happens again. Double checking, and I, triple checking. And I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and, I, and I'm, you know, thinking about the time, like, th- th- it's weird, but I remember the arena. It's the Bojangles Coliseum in Charlotte, North Carolina. I can mm-hmm. picture the back of the arena. I can picture where I was standing when it happened. I can picture just trying to find a closet so I could try not to burst into tears. Just I, hide, I was, yeah. This I is just... it. They're going to rip up my contract. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go through it together. Let's be 
you know, one, two, three, four points of the square. The rhombus, yeah. <laughs> the rhombus, the rhombus, yes, the, the, the square. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, let's, let's, you know, let's communicate with each other. Let's be on the same team. Let's look out for each other. And we have. And I think if you go back and look at, you know, there's probably been 80 or 90 dynamites. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's crazy to say that Paul's done 20 or so main events and I've done 15 or 20 main events and Aubrey's done 15 or 20 main events. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, whatever. It goes around, it comes around, you know? And it makes There's sense a- because like all four of you bring so much to the table. Like obviously yeah. Aubrey has a, a, a way less experience, but like obviously had like uh, been thrown super far into the deep end with her experience with like NXT and Mae Young and all that stuff. But then, you know- And like, she's excelled at every challenge she's been given. Right, absolutely. But she's then, you great know, at what she does. Knox coming in with his like 20 years of experience and you coming in with your 20 years of experience yeah. almost. And like, you know, it was almost like a dream team of referees that like had just been like handpicked picked from all around the country like it's i don't know how that happened and i i had never met i think i had met aubrey once paul and i live in the same town which is weird i see him at wegman's i see him at the grocery store (laughs) we take our we take our car to the same place to get fixed like it's weird uh but i didn't i knew of him Mm -hmm. that actually that may 25th 02 the first uh the first show i ring announced on paul was a referee on that show yeah which is crazy. And, yeah. you know, seven, <laughs> May 25th, 17, 17 yeah. years to the day we come back and we're refereeing on the same day. Uh, anyhow, you never really know what to expect in wrestling. We, we decided to look out for each other from day one and we have ever since. And there is, you know, while Paul is maybe the, the head official by title and that's fine, he doesn't ever throw that in your face or make you feel bad. Yeah, it's never seemed like that either online or on television or anything yeah. like that. It definitely yeah. We have like it, uh, a, a spoken... You a spoken and unspoken respect and admiration for each other. And we all realize that everyone brings something to the table and there, there might be things like, Oh, this is a, this is a Knox match or this is an Aubrey match. Yeah. This is a Bryce match. And that's okay. That's fine. We were following those roles. You know, Knox likes to work with the bucks. I like to work with orange Cassidy. Jericho likes to work with Aubrey, you know, sure. hangman likes to work with Paul, whatever, whatever it is. So what? Like, that's okay. Yeah, uh, absolutely. We've all, we've all refereed for everybody at this point. It's not, our I mean, if there's anymore. people we've that you gel this- with, like go gel with them, make, right. make magic together. Yeah. You're going to be right. working together. When, for when, 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 Eddie, when, when Eddie Kingston, who I trained with, who mm-hmm. I like, we broke in together in 2002, like his first day of Chikara training, I was there for. Yeah. When he was in the main event of the pay-per-view against Moxley, Paul was like, you, that has to be you. That has yeah, to be you. It couldn't you have, have been to, anybody else. You have yeah. to be in the ring for Eddie's main event world title match. Like that's, I Which appreciate is such that. a like nice thing, he, you know, he, like he, from he, him, he, like it's a, a, right. a, a credit to, to that. Him. Yeah. Yeah. He did not have to do that. And he was gracious enough to do it. And I appreciate it forever and ever and ever and ever. Absolutely. Um, you know, that's, that's what it is. You've uh, had some really, really incredible, like uh, specifically like unique match experiences. And I'd be remiss <laughs> if we didn't have like a few minutes sure. when we talk about this. Obviously, we got to talk about Invisible Man versus Invisible Stan. But <laughs> more recently, let's talk about your hazmat suit and everything. Like, let's dive into it. Let's talk about those two specifically. But any other like kind of off the wall matches that you feel like you want to include, obviously, like Cybernetico and stuff like yeah. go ahead and dive into the like crazy matches you've been a part of that like most people won't get an opportunity to see <laughs> yeah i i have always like you know if you want to have a well-rounded resume mm-hmm. you have to check all the boxes right so you know even on the indies wherever it was like there's a i've never refereed a casket match like mm-hmm. i want to referee the casket match there's a five-way ladder match i want to refer the five-way ladder match there's yeah i remember i remember asking to do an hour iron man match between yeah. uh biff Busick and eddie edwards at beyond i'm dying Robin for one Star. right now by the way though. yeah i'm dying for one and i, I wanted to do an hour i wanted to be in there yeah. for an hour uh, a chakara supernetico once went one hour and 44 minutes and 104 minutes and i did that yeah so like anytime there's an outlier or a weird thing or you know it's tough yep. after almost 19 years to do something for the first time yeah to net and Exploding ring barbed wire. Okay. <laughs> yes, please. Yeah. Right, right, right. <laughs> did you? Was it like? Did they reach out to you, or did you uh, actually volunteer? They, they, so, so, um, <laughs> for a or did the suit just fit you? <laughs> no, 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 no. For for safety reasons, it had to be decided who was going to referee that match three weeks in advance. Okay. Because we had to go to a safety training, get mm-hmm. fitted for the suit, and sure. understand the ins and outs of the you know, the execution, yes, how it was going to go. So three weeks in advance, Paul said, hey, do you want to do this? And I didn't ask to do it, but I was like, yeah, I want to do that. You know, like, sure do. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, 
Maybe I'm a little bit more animated in the ring. Maybe that lends itself well to exploding barbed wire, whatever. I don't know what the reason was, but Paul asked me to do it. Yeah, I'd like to do it. So I, you know, had to go to the meeting with the production guys, the pyro guys, Mox, Kenny, Tony, and learn how this is all going to work. And then I had to get fitted for a hazmat suit and and buy the gloves at Home Depot and everything. And like, yeah. Uh, What was your reaction when you saw the suit for the first time? And like, when you saw yourself in it for the first time? Uh, I get paid for this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm gonna get I get to go on TV and rep like people, this and they're going to pay people, me. <laughs> people actually watch this? Like, yeah, this is crazy absolutely. to me. Uh, I do remember, you know, Tony knew about it. Tony was all about it. Like, he yeah. okayed the suit and everything. But I do remember walking, putting it on because mm-hmm. I refereed a match earlier in the show. Then I had to change back into this other gear, my referee gear that had been treated. I had to give it to him the night before because they had to treat it with this anti- uh, inflammatory uh, flame, yeah flame yeah. retardant stuff and they get i changed that gear put the hazmat suit on which had already been also been treated with all the spray and everything right and i walk into the locker room and mox just goes whoa like, <laughs> like, like, there, there, was, there was there was part of it for him when he saw me and that for the first time was like oh we're doing this like yeah. we are really leading into this yeah <laughs> If you're Kenny do was, it, you might as Ken, well do it right, right brother. Right. <laughs> Kenny was really in, in, intricately connected to how this was all executed, and he, you know, okayed the suit, you know. And it's just like, if we're going to do this, and we're going to do it for the world title in the main event of a pay-per-view, yeah. the, the best-selling AEW pay-per-view ever, by the way. Yeah. I mean, what do you expect gonna, when, like, they say do, on live we're TV gonna do that it we're going to do it? Yeah, that we're going to do an exploding barbed wire death match, like for yes. the first time on American television. Like, right. is it ever? Like, which I was think. somehow uh, four days after I refereed for Shaquille O'Neal. So that, yeah, maybe, what? <laughs> maybe the maybe the craziest week of my life. Definitely. Very possibly. Uh, so it was my son's birthday. So that my oldest son turned five on Tuesday. On Wednesday, I refereed for Shaquille O'Neal. On Saturday, we did his birthday party on Zoom. On Sunday, I refereed an exploding rain barbed wire match. That was a week. That was one week of my life. And then the following, the following day, Monday, the day after the exploding ring barbed wire, Excalibur, Chris Herring and I went to Atlanta to speak at Cody's school at mm-hmm. the Nightmare Factory. Sure. About, like, you know, uh, crazy. That was and a week like, of my what life. What have you been up to? And you're like, oh, you know, last week I ref Shaq and then I was in an exploding barbed wire death match. Uh, man, a week of my will take life. you on some really crazy journeys if you yeah. want it. It's pretty and insane. Then, and then two days later, you're home, grocery shopping, folding laundry, you know, filling, cleaning bottles and taking kids to daycare. Like, yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. I kind of uh, had one of those moments uh, when I was in Japan last year in February. I was like on my hands and knees and I'm scrubbing blood off of the floor. And I have no idea whose blood it is. Right. But we're in like uh, uh, Shinkiba first string and there's been a bunch of death matches. And I'm just mm-hmm. like, man, wrestling's nuts. How in the world? Did I find myself on my hands and knees right now cleaning off whoever knows blood in this random building on the other side of the world? Like, what is this life that we're living? Yep. This is just the, this is, this is, this is the hand that I'm dealt today. And I'm going to play it the best I can. That's just, Absolutely. Just, yeah. It's crazy. It's, it's very, very crazy. I, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I'm very, 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 very lucky. Uh, it's, it's, I don't know. I don't know how, I don't know how to word it. You've had a ton of experiences, you know, like on the independence before you ever even became involved with AEW and now a ton since you've become involved in AEW. Do you have any like hardline goals still left or are you just kind of like on the ride to see where it goes at this point? At this point, I'm on the ride to see how it goes. There, there were like a couple of barometers like I, I want a referee for Chris Jericho. Sure. I want to referee the main event of Dynamite. Yeah. I want to referee a world title match. I want to referee the main event of a pay-per-view. And it's like, check, 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 check. Like, which yeah. is crazy. <laughs> and, and I'm not, I, I, please, I, I don't want this. I, I, That's this not even not, a you thing. That's a ref thing. Like, if you're yeah, a I I don't want to make it that I'm sounding arrogant, but I'm saying that I'm very fortunate to have been given these opportunities and to continue to be given these opportunities. Absolutely. Um, you know, to work with, you know, someone new. Co- oh, man, it'd be really cool if I got to referee Christian Cage. I got to referee his first match. On yeah, which, Crane. oh, my God. That right, 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 right. That right. match was, like, right. insane. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's, not, that's not even, again, that's not even something I could have even considered putting on my vision. Sure. Like, I loved Edgy Christian. was nice school. I had their shirts. I did the Reeking of Awesomeness. I brought kazoos yeah. to live events, you know? like <laughs> I, I, The five-second pose. <laughs> right, right. I couldn't have even gone, like, man, I really want to referee with Christian someday. Like, because that wasn't even conceivably possible to me you know and yeah. there i was in the ring with him you know like so 
at this point, I'm just on the ride. I'm, I'm excited to get back to uh, back on the road and go. I mean, some of these places we're going are repeats. You know, we've been to Miami and Austin, Dallas before. When we get into the California. summer, we're going to California. I'm hoping. Uh, uh, all I can say is that there's there's no other way to put it than when, not if. Yeah, of course. Uh, I mean, I think everybody knows that AEW yeah. obviously has like as big of a budget and as long of a timeline as they uh, want to have. So, you know, like every conceivable major city is like on the long enough timeline, I'm it, sure. It is It is a logistical hurdle because Dynamite has to be live at 5 p.m. Right. on a Wednesday. Right. Uh, not, I'm not saying this will, will, this will not happen, but it, it does make it a little more complicated. Right. Um, and I know there were plans to make it happen before the pandemic happened. Yes. Yeah. As there was with everything. Oakland and San Francisco are like just a, a hot, hot, hot wrestling crowd, and they are dying for some love right now after I all would, the like pandemic stuff. Like, yeah, I would so love it'll to be great here. to see that happen. Yes. It, um, it, it, when, when, not if, same, same with the UK, like, like, you know, oh, when are you get to the UK, when are you get to Canada, when, not if, it's, just be patient. Yeah. I mean, not, I'm sure it's we're not, be we're UK, not going to Canada, anywhere. Japan. Like, I'm sure you guys have everything on the list of entries. There, there's a goal. I've never been to Japan. Okay. I would love to go to Japan. Absolutely. I would love to to go to you know and for for someone to pay me to go to Japan and referee like yeah that that'd be great uh, so yeah well, hopefully that, that, we get to see that coming up here in the next uh, next couple of years or something you know maybe AEW will be doing like a, a nice big special you know like from Tokyo or maybe a, a New Japan crossover or something like that I won't those will not be decisions I'll get to make but I will be uh, excited along for the ride yeah. <laughs> so yeah at this point at this point I am very much along for the ride I am. Uh, you know, it is very much with the referee squad and AEW as a whole. It's mm-hmm. we, not me. Like, uh, w- w- can I do my job both as a referee and as an office person the best I can to make AEW the best it can be, to make it grow, to make it find new eyes, to to do it proud and not blow finishes on live TV anymore, for example. <laughs> it's like, I, I let us down. I, you know, this is it's a new life, thing. It's life, man. Every, like, every, every, everybody's referees every, up to this insane standard, yeah. like everywhere. But like, you have to, you know. We are all we can do is our best, and uh, I will continue to do my best. And I, I'm, I'm excited to use what little I have to the table to make AW grow and better, so we can go to new places and bigger places and better places and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So yes, California would be great. I've been, to, I've been to California in six or seven years. I'd love to go. To, I'd love to go to both LA and San Francisco with AW. I'd love that. They'd love to have you out there. We are kind of winding down time. I okay. do like to have, uh, I, I like to give an opportunity to my guests at the last like five minutes or so. Obviously we've talked extensively about AEW, but if there's any other kind of promotion that you want to give a little light to, um, but more specifically, if there are any wrestlers that you think maybe uh, the world of wrestling hasn't really like given a fair shot to yet, or maybe they just haven't even heard of them yet. Uh, and also referees, same thing. Like uh, sure. please also, you know, plug your socials and everything next five minutes or so is totally your time. Um, I, there's a really great referee on the East coast. That I know, you know, uh, mm. Chris Levin, yeah. he, he, he just hustles, man. He gets yeah. it. He hustles. He cares. He tries. Um, he's now using his brain, his wrestling brain for more than just refereeing. And that's great because mm. it has, he has so much to offer. Uh, he was, you know, kind of along with me at the, the last, the waning years of Chikara. Yeah. And uh, he just, just great, great, great guy. He, you know, hustles and cares and he's uh, there's another guy named chris bankos who's a referee yeah, at, uh, East yeah Coast. absolutely tattoo arms is a really great guy a really really nice guy really good referee um i'm really hoping yeah. that like uh, the world of wrestling takes chris as an example of like that you can have a very professional, very qual- high quality, top tier referee that doesn't need to worry about having tattoo sleeves because that's yeah. such a such so a ridiculous what? thing. Like, yeah, it's like this dude is amazing at his job, and you're not going to use him because he has like some what? decent tattoos. It's not like he has like pornographic images, right? Or there's arms, swastikas around his hand. I mean, well, like, why, why did it take? Why, why did it take? Uh, you know, with a very brief exception, the '80s. Why did it take? 35 years since the MTV rock and wrestling boom to have a female full-time referee on national yeah. television. Yeah. Why did that take and 35 years? I don't know. to you for actually referencing that because a lot of people will like to try and, you know, live this narrative of like, uh, like now being the first time that there are yeah, yeah. like television female referees. And it's not true. And it's uh, a, a shame to the people that, uh, or I think it was one lady. And unfortunately mm-hmm. I don't actually know her name, but like, I think, I, her name was Rita, I think her name was Rita Chatterton. And I do also think that because it was 1987 or whatever, it was presented as a like uh, a gimmick. Like, 
Yeah, yeah. Like not a, I don't, I don't want to say freak show, but it was like, oh, this is crazy. The lady referee. An attraction, yeah. Right, right. And one thing that I'm very proud of that AEW and Aubrey is just like, yeah, she's a woman and she's a referee. She's good yeah. at her job. She's, she's not going to do the all ring. the women's matches. No, she's not going to do exactly yeah. when she when she yells at Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho backs off because she's the authority in the match. Yeah, he sells absolutely. that. She, you know, like that's just how it is. Um, and to go back, that, we're talking about Bankos. Yes, uh, yes, yes, yes. Chris Bankos. And uh, from a wrestling perspective, there's um, I am woefully out of touch on the independents right now, and I think sure. the independents are kind of out of touch because they kind of lost a year, really. Yep. Uh, but um, if you don't know about Willow Nightingale, I think she's amazing. Yes, uh, absolutely. She's a, a, a bubbly, very talented female wrestler that's based in New York, I believe. And uh, tough as nails, broke her neck and came back and is still awesome. an amazing wrestler. Yeah. She's awesome. She, she was another another late Chikara year success story that never really got going. Um uh, and then this guy's been refereeing or he's been wrestling for almost 20 years. There's a guy by the name of Hollow Wicked. He was in the first Chikara mm-hmm. class. Yeah. He's probably the best wrestler I've ever seen. He can make sure. everybody look good. He, he has, you know, the match with the broomstick, all that stuff. He was training guys and just never got the big shot because mm-hmm. I don't know. He just, it's he just never really, he, yeah. he, he never really put himself out there to do it. Like opportunities came to him and he accepted them, but I think he's perfectly happy living his civilian life. But um, you know, uh, to go out and seek back he, he's pretty much anyone who's come through you know 2002 on he's mm-hmm. probably been in the ring with all those guys at some point some way and all those guys you know chalk and orange and eddie guys that have known him for years would say the same thing about how amazing Hollowick it is absolutely uh, so yeah and i just you know it's 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 exciting because the last crew of like guys that I was on the Indies with are like now in 205 Live. Like yeah. I, when, I, when I was just winding down the Indies, like Alex Zane was the hot new thing and he's yeah. already gone. It's pretty so, amazing seeing everybody I'm, getting scooped up right now. There's right. so many places to work. Yeah. It'll be exciting to, you know, now there's guys I hear about that. I don't even know what they look like. I just see their names on Twitter. You know, I, I, I don't have enough as much time to watch wrestling as I would like, but sure. I would like to put over the resource of IWTV.live. Yes. Uh, you can open it up anytime, anywhere on your phone, in your pocket, and just check out some wrestling you've never heard of and watch right. wrestling you've never heard of. And I know many, many members of the AW locker room just use that just to like stay abreast of things and see what's yeah. going on or, or see how your friends are doing or see how this promotion's doing. Like uh, it's an amazing resource and that's a little more broad than a, a name or a referee, but that I think is a tremendous resource. Like another thing that when I started watching wrestling in 1991, like you can watch independent wrestling all over the world whenever you want. And it's in your pocket 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Like, yeah. What? <laughs> like the little kids in us that like, you know, I had a similar experience with you. We never got to like order the pay-per-views or anything like that. We didn't have mm-hmm. enough money. So like, yeah, same thing. Like now that I can just pick up my phone and look at like not only what's going on on IWTV live right now, but like their entire anthology of like shows that they've had for whoever knows how long. Like, yeah. And kudos to you for like putting them over because like I feel like they do a very good job of marketing themselves and getting like their stuff out and distributed and in front of eyes and things like that. But I don't think that there are a lot of folks that like try and put them over. They do a lot of their own stuff. Oh, like yeah, when no. people are on it, they're they like put over their friend, own man. stuff, but yeah, absolutely. They do a lot of really hard work. Especially during, you know, when the pandemic first started, it's like, well, there's no live streams this weekend, but I can go back and watch the 2005 Tepeti Invitational, like right now. Yeah. Or, you know, I can watch 2011 King of Trios with El Generico versus right. One Two Three Kid. Like, it's in my pocket right now. Like, I remember the first couple months of the pandemic when, like, there was a month where AEW wasn't even running, and it was just like nothing, nothing, scary, void of how long is this going to last? What am no I going to do with my time? No one, yeah. no one thought it was going to last another 14 months. Uh, but, but. IWTV was a great, 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 great resource in those days and every day. And I think uh, those who are, and it's like what, $10 a month or whatever. Yeah. Like, come on. Like, it's a drop in the bucket. On. Like, yeah, you're spending yeah. it on Netflix so, already. Just so, spend it on IWTV so, and support independent so wrestling. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that money's going to go a lot farther to a lot more of the right people. And, and like, I'm pretty sure I, I don't have access to their books. Like, my friend runs IWTV.live, but mm-hmm. I, I, they're not making money hand over fist. Sure. Like, yeah. this $10 a month is not, there isn't a giant palatial estate somewhere in Wilkesbury right. that, that Jerry's living in, you know? Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, it's a great resource. And everyone should check it out. Thank you very much. Um, I am going to ask you this because you are a, a little bit more of a, a, a comedy friendly guest. And if okay. you're not uh, down with this question, sure. I'll go ahead and just chop it out of the, uh, the interview. But um, my girlfriend is the executive producer on the show and uh, she does all of the work, you know, for free and tirelessly. And she jokingly, before I did the very first interview, 
told me I have to ask every guest a question and I've okay. never asked it and it keeps bugging her and she keeps asking me about it. So I think you're the perfect person. What's her name? What's her name again? <clears throat> her name is Amira. All right. This is the day, Amira. Let's do this, Amira. She this wants to you. know if you were running a Dwayne The Rock Johnson themed restaurant, okay. what would be on your menu? Okay. I've never asked Dwayne. anybody. But she keeps getting at it. <laughs> so, like, I feel like pie is a little hanging fruit, right? Right. <laughs> uh, okay, let me think about this here. I'm, I'm, I'm looking for a, a, oh, the people's elbow macaroni. There, boom. <laughs> uh, the, the rock bottom uh, 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 brisket. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. That sounds good. That sounds good. Yeah. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for being here. Thank Thanks you for, for indulging me, that. It was wonderful to have you. It's wonderful to get to see your face again and uh, talk to you. You know, we haven't really had, uh, in my opinion, not enough time to get to interact with each other one-on-one. -on -one, mm -hmm. So it's always a pleasure and a joy to get to do these things. So thank yeah. you very much. Thanks for having me. All the best to you and all the dazzle. The, the, yeah. the, da <laughs> the dazzle of striped dazzlers. <laughs> The 1,030 uh, of you. Right. <laughs> uh, folks, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you very much to Bryce again. If you would like to support the Zebra Talk Fund, which is our nonprofit uh, travel grant for referees to go outside of their area and go and learn from some folks, not unlike Bryce himself, uh, please go to prowrestlingtees.com backslash Zebra Talk. We've got a wide range of merch. Uh, if you would like to follow us on any of the socials, it's all Zebra Talk 123. If you are a referee and you'd like to be on the show, if you'd like to apply to the Zebra Talk Fund, if you are not in Zebra Talk and you would like to be, send me an email. I can talk, I swear. Send me an email at zebratalk123 at gmail.com or find me on all the socials at od1kenodi or Robert Odie Brown on Facebook. And thank you very much again, Bryce, and everybody who's listening, watching, however you're taking this in. I appreciate all your time very much. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. <laughs>